Coming up this week, off screen, we say hello to Benjamin, meet a girl, get to know a prodigy, enjoy a fisherman's friend, go under the silver lake, and then Ben comes back. All those to come and more, off screen. This is, this is off screen. Off screen. Latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. And I'm Case Allen. Really? That's how you think I sound? That's exactly how you sound. All right, I all bet right, everyone listening to this thinks, oh, Van's just with himself today. <laughs> Probably, yes. Yeah. So, uh, welcome back, Mr. Allen, as Hi. always. Uh, another week of filmic fun awaits us. As usual. And uh, there's, there is some fun this week. There is absolutely fun. Yeah, I've seen none of the films that we're going to yeah. talk about, but I've seen the trailer for three of them. But you have seen films in general, so you've at least got a benchmark to work against. You know. That's yeah. Just that. I can compare them to yeah. like to Captain Marvel, which I have seen, actually. I you have, have seen, seen that. that. I saw yeah. that last week. Excellent. Yeah. So, before we get to uh, reviewing those films, then, before we get to the box office top five and all the film news that we love to randomly disperse throughout, we need a piece of news to kick us off for the week. What have you got? So, there is talk about a sequel to Bohemian Rhapsody because money. Yeah. To be honest, yeah, it would be. I mean, how much money do you think you'd have to throw at uh, Rami? Oh, mind you, it's not like you could get Rami Malek back, is it? I think you'd get Rami Malek. Do you think a sequel? Definitely. Do you think a sequel would just have to, to be just like just because he's got an Oscar and like a higher pay rate now? Well, hang on a minute. If there is anything. a sequel, though, wouldn't it become that movie that Queen always wanted, where Freddie dies halfway? That's it. That's it, isn't it? Yeah. Cool. And it ends with the Freddie Mercury tribute show, <laughs> and you call the film "Show Must Go On." Oh. That's 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 that, that it. works. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. It's um, like when Rocketman comes out, and everyone yeah. will be like, "Let's have a sequel to that." <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. Because he's he's still going, so you can just do like all the tantrums and tiara <laughs> era stuff. I mean, I don't know how far into hair transplants. How far into his life does Rocketman go? Because like, who plays they've, the Spice they've not said. Or? They've not said. That's a good point. <laughs> we need nineties Elton. We need we need like sacrifice we do. era. Anyway, back to Freddie. Um, yeah. So, Bohemian Rhapsody two is being is being discussed. I believe that's the that's the news. It's it, it's being discussed as a serious thing. Yeah. Okay. Fair. You've got a decent supporting cast still there. You've got uh, oh my word, who played Brian May? Welsh and Gwilym, Gwilym Lee, isn't it? Gwilym Lee, yeah. Gwilym Lee, and you've got Ben from uh, EastEnders and oh, yeah. X-Men and, and, and uh, Joey, Joey Mazzello. And <laughs> Joey Mazzello. J- Joey Mazzello, who looks more like John Beacon than John Beacon looks like John Beacon. <laughs> he really does. He really does <laughs> as well. It's crackers. There was no point in that movie where I questioned that Joseph Mazzello was not British. And I Yeah, he odd. might have been my favourite thing about the whole film. He was fun, wasn't he? Yeah, because he's there to be like the smart ass and also the comic relief. And also be the butt of jokes yes, all at the same time, true. but it worked. And also, still had to be convincing that this is the dude who writes. Uh, uh, oh, off, off again! I've lost the track name entirely. I want to break free. That's the one. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, another one back to dust. Is that his as well? Yeah. All oh, right. Oh, actually, that does make sense. I actually. think kind of magic it says as well. He's got loads of great songs. I'll be interesting to see. Uh, You're my best friend. It's him. I wonder how long they'd wait for for a Queen sequel. For a buffer of Bohemian Rhapsody. I just want a John Deacon film. I want a film about John Deacon <laughs> now, where he's just a rich millionaire who just goes to pub. Fair. And he's out of a public eye. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of the dream. That's, 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 that's the, the film dream. I want. If you do that instead of the bottom of a garden, you could do the Ed yeah. Sheeran one as well. But, yeah, but why would I want that? Well, I mean, just presumably, I, I don't know. Because, no. uh, well, I don't know. He seems to have a fan base after the Richard Curtis thing. Doesn't he? Do you yeah. know what? That, I think that does look good. That, yes, <laughs> I do. I, I'm intrigued by yesterday. I never got to ask you about it, actually. I think it looks good. I think it. So, I think when it when it was being filmed, and you got yeah, they like released a vague mm. like 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 um, a vague outline of what was going to be happening. I was a bit like eh, so just the just for and... people who don't know, I haven't seen the trailer then. Yes. So this is a movie. Is a Richard Curtis written British uh, romantic comedy, is it? Directed called? by uh, uh, Oh Danny Boyle. Oh Danny Boyle. Yeah. Yep. And it stars um, a young actor who is introducing, although I'm told stars in EastEnders. Um, oh right. As, as a musician who has a bike accident and wakes up in a world where nobody has heard of the Beatles. They've just been erased from history. Yes. So he invents all the Beatles songs and everything for himself. Yeah. And, and becomes like a superstar. Uh, I don't know how big of a character he is. He's, he's just playing himself. But there's a bit where he's in the studio with this guy, and the guy is singing uh, Hey Jude. Yes. And Ed oh. Sheeran's like, why don't you call it Hey Dude instead? <laughs> Which is pretty funny. <laughs> to be fair, objectively, that is quite funny. And also, I like that Ed Sheeran's so open to having fun with himself. I feel like he's trying to get yeah. to the, uh, the James Blunt stage you know, earlier. They are yeah. friends as well. Are they? That makes absolute sense. Yeah, um, I think James Blunt has uh, supported him at a bunch of gigs. And, uh, I thought you meant like emotionally. Like, I'm don't sure worry, that as well. Don't worry, it was fun to hate me for a for time yeah, as well. Yeah, they'll come around, just go on Twitter and just yeah take just take the mic out yourself. Be a bit mean to everyone on Twitter, but, but <laughs> yeah. be funny about yeah, it. Yeah, be, be self-deprecating yeah. and also an arse to people. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, people and and when you need to, I've had your mum. Drop one of those. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gangbusters, mate. Gangbusters. <laughs> okay, so first film of the week. Which is not going to go down like gangbusters. So no, this. Oh, I've heard this is weird. Oh, oh, oh! Have you heard it's weird? Yeah. Oh, it's it's weird. I'll give it that. It's definitely oh, weird. Yeah. So under the Silver Lake, which is the not the second film, but the uh, the first big film for David Robert Mitchell. Who did since, uh, it follows exactly? Now he had done a couple of smaller films, I think, before that, but it follows was his his breakout film. It was his Donnie Darko, as it were. Now that comparison, I see where you're going with this? Do you see where I'm going with this? Because yeah. this comparison has to come up. So if you remember Donnie Darko, uh, Richard, Richard Kelly, Richard Kelly, yeah. Richard Kelly made this breakout uh, indie film. They they sent him away with a sack full of money and told him to make whatever he wanted, and he came back with Southland Tales, which was bonkers. And now, David Robert Mitchell has seemingly done the same thing. He has come back with Under the Silver Lake, which, if I'm going to pitch it to you, Case, I think I'm going to pitch it as The Long Goodbye meets Bored to Death meets Southland Tales. All right, that's where I'm going with it. Starring Andrew Garfield... Is he some kind of, like, like private investigator, then? It's along the Raymond Chandler sort of a line. Right, right, along that sort of uh, L.A. set, neo-noir, indie drama, detective kind of angle. Okay. You've got Andrew Garfield, who is a sort of a feckless stoner who really dif- doesn't really have an occupation so much as whatever his current interest is. And one, day, one night he meets a bombshell by the pool, played by Riley Keough, you know, Elvis's granddaughter, which still mystifies me because she is genuinely carried I always forget that. <laughs> Someone tells me, like, Oh, Whenever you see her in a film, you think, oh my gosh, Riley Keough, I like Riley Keough. And then you're like, oh yeah, she's Elvis's granddaughter, isn't she? Yeah, like the two have no resemblance. Mm. But uh, yeah, anyway, she's good in her own way, that's the point. Um, she then disappears. She checks out of her motel after these two have a night of passion, and he ostensibly sets off to find her. This is a missing persons case with a sort of feckless stoner, Elliot Gould, for adjusted for cultural inflation, 
detective archetype. Okay, here's a clip. Stay quiet. What? It means stay quiet. It's a, a hobo code. Really? Yeah. Hobos and rail riders used it a lot in the 1930s. Here. Take a look. They used it to let people know who was cool, who wasn't, what houses offer food, if there was a doctor in town that might be sympathetic to travelers, that sort of thing. Okay, so why is it in Sarah's room? And who are they telling to be quiet? I don't know. Maybe you. So, do you pick up a certain almost David Lynchian vibe from that bit at all? Yeah, although it seems yeah. very intentional. Yeah, it, yeah, it goes into that Richard Kelly, the box, that David Lynch, that Mulholland drive, goes into that kind of territory for pockets of its runtime. Right. All right. There are other times when it would like to be the number 23. There are other times when it would like to be the long goodbye. There are other times when it would like to be bored to death. And actually, that is a, an influence that runs all the way through it. The, mm. uh, the sort of a, a hipster millennial detective kind of an angle that, uh, that, that Jason Schwartzman. In Bored to Death, yeah. Yeah, in Bored to Death. I think that he kind of nailed so perfectly in that, that almost Wes Andersonian, you know, <laughs> modern detective. It, it, it's that kind of thing going through it. But there are these pockets where it goes off and does other things. Now, on the surface, it would like you to regard it as this big Lebowski-style, you know, multitude of intertwined mm-hmm. subplots dealt with by a detective, or something more like, you know, The Long Goodbye, for instance. Uh, the problem is, the areas that it chooses to go into, it goes into on a whim, with no setup, and with no... I would say, tonal consideration across the board. So it will go into an area that's jumpy and horror-like, and then it will go into an area that's uh, slapstick and weird, and then it will go into an area that's very meta and very knowing. And and it makes all these leaps without giving you the time to really find any kind of a foothold in the material. So you're not carried along with it. It does just feel like stuff happening. Mm. I mean, there is a point in the middle of this movie that goes full end of Matrix Reloaded. You know, with the architect in the room. Only, in this case, it's a songwriter. And I don't want to know how much they actually spent on the songwrites in this thing because it is insane. Is, what it, sh- is it an actual songwriter? Is it a, is an actual musician? It's an actual character playing? known as the songwriter who who functions as a songwriter. Who, but who plays that person, though, is it? Not like really that? a known commodity. Oh, right. No, because I would have gotten someone like Tom Waits or someone to do it. Yeah. <laughs> just, for, just for giggles, I would have gotten, gotten like my, my Tom Waits or someone. But... Um, yeah, there's this, this grand big scene in the middle of it that I think will come to define how you see the film. You watch that scene, if you think that's the coolest thing you've ever seen, what else could it do? Be prepared for something that does play kind of like Map to the Stars, the John Cusack one from a few years ago. Yeah, the Cronenberg like, one. Yeah, Cronenberg. Oh, is it Cronenberg? Yeah. I almost said Lynch. Oh, no, no. But, different David. Different Dave, man. Different yeah. Dave. Although David Lynch's The Fly is something I would be very intrigued to see. But uh, yeah, I would see that. Yeah, like, I would want to see David Lynch's Star Wars. <laughs> we, we almost did at one point. We nearly did. That's yeah. very true. But uh, yeah, so under the silver light, great performance from Andrew Garfield. He does manage to hold it relatively well together. The only problem is the film is just pulling in the opposite direction. And as good as he is, and he is genuinely good in this, mm. he can't make something out of this. There's nothing to be made out of it. For me, it's too messy. It's well made. Like, you know, give it its dues, it is, it is produced to its own absolute perfection. Every one of the tangents it wants to go off, it does that individual tangent very well. Whether that tangent has any bearing on anything else in the film, 
is somewhat more up for debate. Too many tangents. Too too many tangents. It is, in fact, it is the, the adult swim sketch, it's too many cooks, is, is exactly <laughs> what it is. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back, Mr. Allen. So, um, before we get to some more news from yourself... I'd like to take you to a film that I think you would really enjoy. It is... Um, what are you trying to say? <laughs> oh, no. I think this is... It's, it's a very charming film. It's a very quaint film. It's a film that you just... It's like a big, thick blanket that you just want to wrap yourself up in and enjoy. And it's called Fisherman's Friends. Yeah. Have, have you seen the poster? I've seen the trailer. You've seen the trailer? Many times. Many times. <laughs> Many times. I'm guessing very little enthusiasm. There's one joke in the trailer that I really like, but it's right at the end. Is it the Bonio? It? Yeah. <laughs> it's the Bonio. I'm Bonio. That's actually that clip. It's great. It's a great, it's a great clip. Right, so this stars Daniel Mays yeah. as a yeah, <clears throat> bit of a lad, you know, a London lad, uh, record executive, not record executive, uh, talent management type. He cultivates mm. all the big acts and flogs them to the record label. And he's off on a stag do one weekend with his boys from the label, including his boss, Noel Clark. Who, who is American. For some who reason. is American for no reason. American and modelled like he's... You know when you see Andre Brower dressed up for the 70s and the 80s yeah. in, in Brooklyn Nine-Nine? He's dressed like that for some reason, with an awful like Elvis accent. Yeah. Right. They go to uh, they go to Cornwall on this stag weekend, and whilst there, they cross paths with and, act, and sort of faintly annoy, but not really memorably, a group of uh, local fishermen who also double as um, like a musical group together. They have like, hmm. a community group where they sing local songs. Sea shanties. All traditional sea shanties. Sounds charming. You know, tis a fine barn, but surely there's no pool English. <laughs> pool English. <laughs> but uh, I don't know why that leaps to mind. But there's a lot of that kind of voice in there. Yeah. You know, ye old-timey sailor voice. Yar! You know. And um, the, amongst the residents of this group are James Purefoy and, uh, and oh, what's his name? Is it uh, John from uh, uh, Daniel Blake? Daniel Blake. I forget his name. Let's just call him Daniel Blake. Peter John? John Peter? Uh, something like that. Um, not John Peters. Not John Peters, right? Not John Peters. But the whole thing is, this group of record executives, because basically they're not the nicest people in the world, they prank Daniel Mays' character by telling him to go and sign them because they think people will really like the... Uh, the, the, the oh, I didn't realise that was a prank. Right. In the trailer, that's, it's that's done not as, how it yeah, comes. Yeah, oh, no, it's done nasty. as a prank. That's nasty. And then while his back's turned, right. they drive off and leave him. So they abandon him in Cornwall, right. and he thinks he actually has this mission to sign them. So, of course, he goes and does. This, by the way, is all loosely based on an actual true story. Right. That is, that is meaner than mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be, so I, I don't know if I want to see this. Now. And, of course, in discovering the music of the Sea Shanty and of the band... He not only comes to learn about, you know, what it means to the world, what these kind of stories do to their listeners, he, he also learns a little something about himself, too. And, well, we have a clip for you. Ladies and gentlemen, we're the Fisherman's Friends. What kind of music would I sing? The rock and roll of 1752. You've got a unique sound. I believe I can secure you a record deal. <laughs> I don't understand. Why anyone would want to buy a record sung by ten hairy-ass fishermen? Remember what the well-known Irish singer Paul Euston from Dublin said? Put a pair of shades on. I'm Bonio. <laughs> Bono, you pilly. <laughs> Dave John, isn't it? That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's a comedian, isn't he? And, he uh, is, yeah. Stand-up, yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I've not seen it. I can guarantee that is the best part of the film. 
No, there's some great laughs in it, actually. There's some really good laughs. It is a lot of the humour comes from the fish-out-of-water element, which is Daniel Mays being in this, you know, being the big city lad, and he's Mm. in this Cornish town where he can only get phone reception if he walks to the very end of a high pier, for instance. And, you know, and, and like, if you park your car in a certain place, it's going to get caught in the tide. You know, jokes (laughs) like that. And it is quite... It is very charming. There's no other word for it. It's a very charming, very likeable film. It's it's earnest. It doesn't want to be, you know, a great big ambitious film and I, I kind of like that about it it doesn't try to have a deeper meaning because this you know it does accept that it's only really as as big in stature as that james corden opera one was the other year you remember what uh, was that with, with the guy from britain's got Lucky talent something, one in a million one in a million one chance one chance one chance yeah yeah one, yeah like that one chance it's kind of like that but meets still crazy if you can imagine that. So with Bill Nye and Jimmy Nail and, and Timothy yeah. Spall and that lot. It kind of, like, the description and just kind of reminds me of... Do you remember that Ted Danson 90s Loch Ness film? Yes! Wasn't it, it was actually called Loch Ness, I think it was it? just called Loch Ness. Yeah. Where I, I even forget why he's there. He's just... He's in Scotland and I think he's been sent on, like, a fake mission or something to go find Nessie. And then, spoiler, he finds Nessie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but, then, yeah. but then he's got this, like, choice, like, whether to tell the media and bring everyone over and room secret and that, that kind of that kind of thing. Well, I mean, I'm just yeah. amazed they managed to get this many fishermen in the movie and not have to cast Gerard Butler, because that seems like a weird... Well, it's not set in Scotland. <laughs> there is that, yes. <laughs> but, you, uh, put, you put this in Fife and... Well, yeah, it's true. <laughs> You give Jerry a call, but that's the thing. So it's it's it, it, it's got its influences proudly on its sleeve. So like I say, still crazy and 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 you know uh, one chance and things like that. And it, it's very likable. The music's uh, very charming as well. The music wins you over quite quickly. You get into this little to tone of it all. Uh, Daniel Mays grows on you. They had the decency to cast James Purefoy in something, which automatically gets an extra star from me. Um, Why do you love him so much? I don't know. I've got nothing against him. I, but just, you've got a real. I think it's because I always thought he'd make a really good James Bond and then I discovered one day that he had actually been screen tested for James Bond mm. opposite Pierce Brosnan so back in the golden era so we nearly had a James Purefoy James Bond mm. and I, I just think that would have been so perfect in the late 90s why would they screen test him against Pierce Brosnan uh, uh, along with when they screen tested Pierce oh, oh, Brosnan sorry, right, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. even though they already had the established history of Pierce Brosnan so clearly it was going to it was always going to be in the yeah, first yeah. place yeah that old, that old chestnut but uh, I don't know it's just like a backup in case we couldn't get Bramington Steel well the thing is James Purefoy is an actor who I keep thinking I'd love to see him in that role and then he gets cast in that role and then doesn't get it for some reason, so um, apparently, so he was nearly Bond, you know. Um, I wanted him to be the Saint. He then got cast as the Saint and then quit. Um, I think many, many years ago, I, I remember they wanted to make a movie out of Viva Vendetta, and I thought, oh yeah. my god, James Purefoy, he's got the voice for it. And then he joined it and then quit. So <laughs> he was V, you know. It was one of those and then things. we got Hugo Weaving. And we got Hugo Weaving. So one of those things. Not I just, bad, yeah. I like seeing him try. And also, I'm just fascinated <laughs> by the idea that James Purefoy is now old enough to convincingly be Tuppence Middleton's father. Yeah. So yeah, Tuppence Middleton's in this, by the way. Always nice to see her. I, I didn't realize that he was her dad in this. Yeah, he's a dad. And one of the other sailors is his dad. So that's adorable. Yeah, there's literally four generations on screen at one point right. in this movie. But uh, yeah, doesn't she have a kid as well? She has a kid as well. Yeah. It, it's very charming. It's a very very likable, endearing film. You will laugh along with it. You won't necessarily cry at it, but you know you'll be faintly moved with by a really it. bad Cornish accent along with it. And yeah, and you'll you'll come out doing the accent. Yeah. Which Should we uh, do box office top five? Yes, let's move into the top five then. Cool. Number five: How to Train Your Dragon Three. 
colon, <laughs> the hidden world. Which I like very much, and I think it seems to have uh, gone down supremely well. I mean, uh, uh, it seems to have its fans. I mean, I, I didn't notice, actually, that it opened here before it opened in the US. Yes. So I, I went through two marketing campaigns I think they had two uh, preview weekends. Did they? Then... I, went, I felt like I went through the release of it here, and then I went over to the US and went through the release of it all over again. So How Strange Your Dragon's been... weird yeah, deja vu. It's yeah. been released for about a month. Like it's had a month of being released yeah. for me, um, and I will say we were actually bigger on it in this country. I think in a very strange way. I think it did well in America, but didn't. Yeah, you was, think it wasn't, has, wasn't amazing. I guess. Do you think it has yeah. more of a European fan base? Or? I couldn't possibly comment. No, I mean, it's got a pretty good like international fan base. And it's got a TJ Miller impersonator doing TJ Miller. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. Fun threequel, uh, better than the first one. Surely you can't do an impression of TJ Miller and not get, like, arrested for it. No, no, I'd imagine. Well, if you do a physical impersonation of TJ Miller, then you get arrested for it, yeah. Um, But say, I like this more than the first one, but not as much as the second. That's the high watermark for me. Um, I like the way that it's not afraid to take chances with the mythology of it. Like, being a trilogy closer, it does go for big stakes. It does go for, we are going to change the world. And and I I like how it does that. I think Mm. it's quite... And the weird part is... One of the marketing spots for it, one of the TV spots for it, actually ruined that for me. Like, I knew it before I went into the film, and I'd not really even seen trailers for it or anything. I'd just mm. seen this, like, one TV spot. I'm like, what a weird part of the narrative <laughs> to give away. Yeah, but, that's going to happen now. You know, Iron Man 3 did the Iron Legion, so what, what can you say? But anyone tweeted for us, what they got? Uh, yes, um, at underscore Drunken Pastels says, uh, Pretty sure as the only adult ugly crying at the movie today during hashtag hashtag Dragon 3. I've loved all three movies so much. Crying face, crying face, crying face. Number four. Instant Family. Instant Family, I was actually a really big fan of and didn't expect to be. <clears throat> um, this is the thing. You, you see it advertised and it does look like Daddy's Home. And then you see it and actually it's closer to something like, I would say, younger skewing Apatow film would be the way to say it. Um, Mark Wahlberg's on sort of Ted form. Rose Byrne's on sort of Neighbours form, I would say. Uh, the two work fairly well together. They've got, like, decent chemistry. When's Rose Byrne ever really have bad chemistry with someone? I mean... Yeah, I, I say she's this. really likeable. She is. Pretty much everything. I, I've just asked that, despite the fact that I told you recently, I think, that I wanted to rewatch. I Give It a Year, in which she stars You're with... You're an idiot. Uh, is it Rafe Spall? Rafe Spall. Yeah, <laughs> we shall see. Uh, but, yeah, uh, Isabella Mona, though, breakout star of this. I really enjoyed it. Um, I think... It could have done without the plot element towards this, particularly in the third act. That's what ruins films, isn't yeah. it? A lot of the time, having that plot element. <laughs> having like, well, it's because it's a character story for its first two thirds. Yeah. And then for its final third, all of a sudden it has to have plot. You're like, actually, you had an interesting enough movie on a mainstream popcorn level, just on the character stuff. Mm. So you didn't need to go into this more conventional fare, but okay, at least it's likable enough that it pulled it off. So, has anyone tweeted us about it anyway? At uh, Angelica Malin. Angelica Malin, yeah. She's got a blue tick. She's verified. She so is verified. She's cool. an influencer friend of mine. Oh, nice. Right. Uh, legitimately just watched uh, Instant Family on the plane and bawled my eyes out. It's so much better uh, and more heartwarming than I was emotionally prepared for. Crying face emoji. Number three. The Lego Movie 2, the second part of Second Piece. Which is what <laughs> second Piece would have been funnier, wouldn't it? Way better. Yeah, Second Piece would have been amazing. Um, okay, the more time goes by on the Lego Movie, the more I do respect its, its ambition with the story, where it tries to take it. I still don't think, though, that it, it manages it particularly well. Having said that, I mean, as you'll find when... Have you watched it? Have you watched Lego Movie 2? I don't know. I don't watch films. But, no, that's fine. That's fine. You don't watch films anymore. That's, <laughs> you became, you became, I'm not a person anymore. No, you became a parent. Yeah, this is the trade-off you make. 
<laughs> did watch Mary Poppins Returns of a day. Oh, what did you think of it? Do you know what? I really enjoyed it. Ah, yeah, okay. It's good. Yeah. Uh, it's a better movie than Lego Movie 2. The second part, not second piece. Made, made a good choice because I was going to watch Lego Movie and we decided to watch uh, Mary Poppins. It seemed more Sunday friendly. No, that's that's yeah. fair. It's, yeah. it's a very Sunday film, Mary yeah. Uh Lego Movie 2, uh, I don't know, 10am Sunday morning for young children, maybe? Yeah. But that's about it. Has anyone tweeted us and what did they think? At Philip... Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Say again. Uh, at Tales of Guatam says, At Philip Lord and at uh, Chris Miller have just made a realistic and mature version of Toy Story. Hashtag Lego Movie 2. But they're the exact producers on it, aren't they? Well, they did write it as well. Oh, did they write they this one as wrote. well? I think, actually, it might be Chris Miller that's written it. Okay. One of them has written it. One of Lord and Miller has written it, but yeah. they're both producers. They're both producers on it. So right. it's not both of them writing, but it is one of them writing. I can tell you that much. Right. Also, sure. wouldn't a realistic version of Toy Story 2, like without toys, just be story? I guess, yeah. 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 Ah, fair enough. Number two. Fighting with my family. Which I really enjoyed. I sent my uncle to see it and he hated it. But <laughs> he didn't hate it. He didn't hate it. He thought it was a rock movie. He thought it was a, he thought it was a movie Amazing. starring the rock. the rock. And he's not in it for that. And I, yeah, and then he was disappointed. And it was this British thing. He was <laughs> Brit thing. Like, with British accents. Making British jokes. And yeah. then the rock showed but up. British people. The rock showed up and then he went away. And I was like, yeah. do you know what? I, I, the wrong member of this family reviews movies, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. It'd be a great podcast. It's just my uncle reviews films. That would be, yeah. Be yeah. yeah. But uh, mind you, for years he would describe 90% of the films as typical American crap. But uh, That's a better name for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Typical American crap. I feel like that's some sort of, you know, uh, some, some sort of Democratic Party uh, podcast, though, rather than film reviews. But anyway... So back to the uh, back to the thing. Uh, Finally, the family I thought was uh, was very funny. I thought it was uh, it had its heart in the absolute the right place. It knew how to move you and make you chuckle sort of on a whim. I thought Florence Pugh and Jack Loudon were terrific in it. I had great fun with uh, Nick Frost and Lena Le- 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 Headey. Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Either uh, Lena or Lena. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Merchant, terrific writer, capable director, I would say. But to be fair, I'm only saying capable because the film doesn't really provide you much in the way to... I mean, do you want to shoot wrestling better than the WWE would shoot it? Because then that kind of defeats the purpose. Yeah. And, you know, the drama side is kind of is what it is. It doesn't want to be anything more than that. Uh, for me, it's an absolute winner. I liked it very much. So, cool. Has anybody tweeted us about it anyway? Yes, at rising underscore angel 19 says, just saw at real pages WWE movie Fighting With My Family, and I gotta say, I loved every second of the movie. Such an insight into one of the trailblazers of women of the women's uh, revolution. She probably won't see this tweet, but if she did, that would be kind of awesome. Hashtag Fighting With My Family. Well, now she can hear it too. Number one. I was, I was expecting some kind of music for this. <laughs> Sorry, it's let me down, Connor. Let me down. Uh, <laughs> Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. What? A, a DC film. You can help me come up with a button for this, actually. Because oh, yeah. I, I had no idea what we could create for that. So. What could we have? I was trying to think of some music with the word Marvel in it. Uh, no, I mean. It's, it's wonderful. It's marvelous. Ooh. I can't think of anything else. Other than just using the riff from from Elastica's connection, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, That's it. I mean, the soundtrack uh, is so 90s, we could just do different 90s songs every time. We really could. Although we won't use Holes, Celebrity Skin, because that does. I wasn't out when the film is set, and I will take that to my grave. 
Okay, look, I don't get to know things about music very often, so I'm damn sure going to enjoy this, okay? Do you have an argument about a hole because I, I don't care? <laughs> But the best part is, I know so little about music actually that uh, when I was when I was I had to I had to verify that I was right about that point. I actually looked at it. Was Hole Celebrity Skinner? No, not till ninety eight. Well, hang on a minute, it's ninety five. Was Cobain still alive in ninety five? I looked it up and I was like, oh no, he died a year early. That's how little I know. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to spoil anything for the film. But the song you're talking about Mm. is that is that necessarily in? Oh, you know. Oh, I mean? oh, yeah. okay. All right, yeah. all right, all right. Fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll go with that. That's a good. That's a good point. Mm. Oof. Okay. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll. I'll. I'll succeed on that one. Yes. Yeah. I'll seed. I'll seed that point. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I had a lot of fun with Captain Marvel. I think you did as well. Yeah, I'm going to see it tomorrow. You're taking the wife, great. I believe. Yeah. Uh, yes, I am. Yeah, I've, I've seen it already. I definitely fell asleep for five minutes because I'd been working all day, <laughs> and then went to see it at half ten at night, which. In hindsight, it might have been an hour because I was quite tired. I uh, I found it. Uh, I saw it a second time after we reviewed it. Yeah. And uh, you know, I had a good time. I had a better time with it actually. I, I had even more of, a, more of a ride. But I think all the things that I didn't like the first time, I still didn't feel any different on. Mm. I think I had slightly more more fun with it, but I still had that point of eh, still not quite as as deep. It's still not quite as as soulful and introspective mm. as these films have weirdly sort of conditioned us to expect. Well, this, but, this is issue. When you make like seventy films previous, mm. it's a Pixar problem. You know, it's going to be so many great films, and even when a film is really good, it's yeah. still going to be compared to like the awesome films. Exactly. Sooner or later, you need to make. I don't know what the Pixar comparison would be. Actually, Ratatouille. Ratatouille. Ratatouille's great. You think Ratatouille's great? Yeah. It's, it's, it's you, not you, in my. You, uh, you have no soul if you don't. It's not in my top ten Pixar's. Really? No, sorry. What are your top... We'll, we'll leave some podcast Podcast extras, what, top 10 pictures. Extras. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, in the meanwhile, I enjoyed it, didn't love it. Has anyone tweeted us about it? At uh, underscore feminism says, shut up, man. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, and at Loz Unicorn. That's a great to handle over. Managed to catch Captain Marvel. I mean, it's not like it's a limited film, love. <laughs> <laughs> well see, done, I'm going to the nearest multiplex. See about your local curves on, did you? Right. Uh, Captain Marvel uh, last night. Uh, what a ride, top stuff. Fair enough. Fair enough. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. The Movie Marker radio show and podcast. And we're back. So, Mr. Allen, to where shall we venture next on our cinematic voyage of the week? Some film called The Prodigy, which is some kind of horror film and looks just terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Just the worst. And by that, that's a compliment. I mean, Yeah. yeah, I'm excited to see it. Well, I mean, the thing is, we had very recently, we had The Hole in the Ground, if you remember that. Do you remember that one that was about... uh... In fact, it was your first week back we reviewed The Hole in the Ground. It was uh, the British sort of kind of take on this. Right. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. So I've been calling this Mum with Haunted Child number 936, Tokyo Drift. Mm. And uh, it, it, it's not far off what it actually is. So the basic setup is it's a film uh, that stars Taylor Schilling. You know, everyone's least favourite element of... Of orange, yeah. Of, yeah. of orange yeah. is the new black, exactly. She is a young, heavily pregnant mum, and she goes into labour the same night <laughs> that a serial killer who likes to uh, imprison young girls, uh, young women, um, sever their hands and then kill them, um, when he has one of his victims accidentally get away on him. 
you know, after he's just taken one of her hands. Mm. She leads the police back to him. The police heavily open up their automatic weapons on this one guy. And um, he dies at the exact minute that Taylor Schilling's child is born. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. And the camera zooms back out of him and zooms into the the newborn baby. So you can (laughs) vaguely hedge an idea where this is going. Now... That's a level of subtlety I'm giving you right there. The film is in no way this subtle about it. No. So basically, the kid starts... We then flash forward to the first eight years of the child's life. From a very early age, he shows signs of being gifted, of being far too intelligent for his age. He's put into a gifted school. You know, one of those modern ones that always looks like they're an Apple store. You know, those ones. <laughs> wooden bench, lots of tiles. Yeah, loads, tiles and wooden loads, loads of white, loads of glass. Exactly. And there's lots of shiny surfacing, so you know it's expensive. Yes. Right. The kid's eight years old and all of a sudden he starts to exhibit some strange behaviour. Behaviour that suggests maybe he's not fully in control of his own body. Oh gee, I wonder what could possibly be going on. Mm. I know, why don't I take him to uh, a professor of reincarnation? You know, those ones that exist. Uh, Here's one played by Colm Fior. The regression won't work if you're in the room. Is this going to hurt him? No. It's hypnosis. Miles goes out of body when the invading soul is present. He won't even remember the experience. The goal here is to identify the person who has returned. And this is important. Find out what they want. I'm going to be candid with you, Sarah. This may be your last chance. Miles is eight now. Soon the invading soul will have control. And Miles will be gone. Yeah, it's a bit daft, isn't it? That's an understatement, yeah. Right, I'll tell you something. Next movie night, next bad movie night that we have. You yes. know, when, when we usually watch Geostorm and everything, yeah. like, this this is going on. As long as we still watch Geostorm, we don't care what we do. Oh, God, of course, yeah. yeah. Um, this is this was enjoyable to me for all the same reasons Geostorm was. You know how Geostorm is not what you would typically call a good, bad movie, a bad, good movie? It's I call just, it a good, good, bad movie. Yeah, it's one of those that, actually, it is just bad, but it doesn't realise it's bad and plays it so seriously mm-hmm. that I kind of enjoy it and I laugh at it and with it. This is one of those. And I say that because at the 40-minute mark of this like 100-minute-long horror movie, there is a sequence in which Taylor Schilling sits in a room with that professor of reincarnation mm. and a child psychologist. And the child psychologist responds to being told about reincarnation with... This explains so much. <laughs> With complete sincerity. This is what they taught us at yeah. school. This is what we learned. And an entire screening room full of critics, for one of two occasions this week, absolutely burst into <laughs> hysterics. And that was the point at which a silent agreement was formed within the room. An unspoken, unsignaled uh, uh, agreement came into effect in which, do you know what, we're just going to enjoy how fun this, the badness of this really is. How much fun we're going to have with how truly terrible this movie can be. And yes, it really goes there. Every plot beat you think is coming. Are they going to do something inventive with it? Hell no! But they're going to do it anyway. It's just that movie. I mean, there is a there's one of those logic leaps in this as regards like human relationships, you know, between like a husband and a wife, where you just sit there and think, yeah, there are times you'd pick that fight, and then there are times you wouldn't. This might not have been one of them. We just sit and think, no human male would pick that moment to have that discussion. That that kind of moment in the middle of this, and it's there purely to just get rid of the character for for ten minutes. Why? It doesn't make any sense. But fair enough. I sat through Sherry Falls. Might as well just have them say, you, 
Just go sit in the corner. You, off screen. Yeah. Back in the next act. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. Um, it reminded me a lot of Orphan, but Orphan was actually an academically better movie. And also, you know, Orphan had some fun with the twist. This doesn't have a twist. Yeah. It kind of just lays I, it all out. I knew the twist going in, but that didn't ruin mm. my enjoyment of Oh, I Orphan. saw Orphan because of the twist. Right, yeah. Yeah, because I thought, I've got to see them do that. And they did, and it was brilliant. This is like child's play in that it's not really a shock when you see the child's play for the first time when the doll starts to come to life. Because yeah. Like, that's why we had to, obviously, why we had to sit through that scene early with Brad DeRiff. Mm. You know, it's the same thing. You're like, why are they showing us the shoe at Serial Killer getting killed? Isn't they? Oh, well, you're going to tell us in 10 minutes anyway. Yeah. Okay, never mind. They're not making any secret about it. You know, there's a couple of films as we have done that, to be fair, with the marketing. But... Uh, if you're someone that likes to watch a good, bad horror movie, absolutely check out The Prodigy. And you know that I am. I know that you are. Yeah. So yeah, check it out. Check it out after you've seen Fisherman Friends, The Fisherman's Friends, by all means. But uh... Well, I'm going to wait until that's on Netflix, because I think, also <laughs> enough, it's either on Netflix or on Amazon Prime. Yeah. There's a film called Finding Your Feet, and I feel like... <gasps> yes, that, that's... They that's might be from the same people, actually. But it's look like the same poster, They look they? like the same, like, blue, yellow fonts, people mm. smiling and stuff. I feel like that's a good, like, nauseating double bill. It's very, very much the case. Yeah. Have you got uh, a quick piece of film news you'd like to go through before we review Girl, then? No. No? Would you like to just go straight to Girl? I would. Okay, so... I've, I've, got, I've got some <laughs> film news. You've got it, but you just don't but, feel like it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to sit in it for a bit, and I'm going to let it kind of... Percolate, marinate. Fester. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, uh, Girl, which is a new film from uh, Lucas Daunt. Uh, this, is, uh, this is a drama about a 15-year-old trans girl uh, named Lara, uh, who's been born in the body of a boy, who is transitioning uh, you know, across the gender lines, and this is all being done as she is pursuing her, her childhood dream of becoming a ballerina. And this is a foreign language film. It, uh, it stars uh, Victor Polster, a young Polish actor and dancer, as Lara. Now, the performance we get from uh, Victor Polster is it's phenomenal. It's mind-blowingly good. We obviously haven't got a clip because none of it is in English. So, you know, it would make for great radio in England. But um, Victor Polster's performance is absolutely tremendous. Um, just the, the physicality of the performance, the, the, the delicacy, the poise... And this translates not only not only just through the physicality, but it's kind of exemplified by it. But there's a lot of that in the actual in the nuances as well, in the the layered way that he sort of plays this character. Really terrific performance, and it's hard to it's a hard film to review because that performance is so shiny and bright that the film kind of dissolves away behind it to an extent. Mm. Um, which you know it shouldn't do. The film is great in its own right. The film is a really dark, insightful, heavy, just hard watch. Very in that, almost in a way. Obviously, they're in no way alike, but in the way that Rosie last week was a hard watch at times. It's quite a, a, a wearing, taxing experience to watch. Was the Irish homelessness? Just just remind people what Rosie was. Was the Irish homelessness drama last week with the family? Um, this one. Hard watch. It's heavy. It's got emotional weight. It's got serious heft to it, mm-hmm. and and it obviously all builds. It builds to a moment that, frankly, you will never unsee. But uh, yeah, I thought it was a tremendous work, though. I really did. I thought it was a great movie. As I say, it's showing in Curzon Cinemas, I believe. So Curzon's and Art Houses. It's one of the Curzon releases for this week. So it's called Girl, uh, written and directed by Lucas Dant. Really, really loved this. I mean, gorgeous film, stunning film, but an even more stunning performance at the centre of it for me. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the Movie Marker radio show and podcast. 
And we're back for one last ride, Mr. Allen. So before we take uh, our last review, which is going to be Benny's back, um, let's go back to the uh, the world of the film news. Um, is there anything you'd like to go through for this week? I believe we have uh, some casting news somewhere. Uh, I think we do. Well, uh, potential casting news. Um, so we were talking uh, off air about the Cruella uh, de people. Yes, which... Which I think is going to be called... Cruella. I think it is, <laughs> imaginatively enough. Yeah. Because uh, if you just call it Deville, people are just going to call it Devil. Yeah. Or Devile. Well, they might think it's like a foreign language remake of that M. Night Shyamalan people in a lift movie. Yeah. Yeah, is that one where, like, the lift was the devil or is something? That, yeah, I think so. They were in the I lift. I don't know, yeah. Did they die, each get picked off through a variety of horrible meats? I can't remember that movie. I remember watching it at home and I, I just kept falling asleep. I remember it was meant to be part of like a Twilight Zone-esque trilogy. It was, yeah. yeah but it never Because everything he does now has got to be, yeah, got to be a trilogy. Yeah. But uh, yeah, um, so Cruella, I believe it's called. Yeah, they're currently casting for uh, the villain of that film, which I believe is going to be called The Baroness. And uh, we did have the list the, up. There's, there's a long list. There's a long list. So, uh, the candidates for the villain. And mm. bear in mind the... The hero is going to be Estella, played by Emma Stone. It's going to be set in 1970s London. And so the, the, the hero is called Estella, who is then going to transform into Cruella Deville, who is then... Going to become Cruella. Yeah, going to become the villain. This is the villain origin story, as it So, were. Maleficent. So, yeah, basically. I mean, yeah. even though we've got the sequel to that coming out this year as well, to get onto the Disney Plus uh, yeah. early release slate. But, uh, yes, yeah, so the candidates for the villain are Demi Moore, Julianne Moore, Charlize Theron, Emma Thompson, and Nicole Kidman. So they do want a woman of a specific age, I think, for this. They do want someone yeah. with a decent age gap from Emma Stone, I think. I think. Who's the youngest? I think that Charlize is probably Charlize the youngest. Charlize has got to be the youngest. Yeah, got to be, yeah. But uh, Julianne Moore, I can't see doing it. I can, I can see Nicole Kidman because she, she likes to do this mm. kind of like. Even Emma Thompson, I could see doing it. I could see, but, like, uh, Kate, Kate Blanchett. Charlize already she, did she, the... she did the Cinderella. Yeah, energy. that's the thing, isn't it? You don't want to get all Alan Tudyk about it and, and have her in too much. <laughs> no, uh, speaking of Tudyk, he is uh, going to be voice of, of um, uh, Iago the Parrot. He is. In Aladdin. Everyone's first question this week when that trailer came out is, great, who's, who's Iago? <laughs> yeah, that's all we care about. Well, yeah. now that we know Abu exists in it. So, yeah. Yeah, we discovered that, didn't we? Hey, do you know what, that trailer doesn't look too bad. It doesn't. I, I think it. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's sold a lot of like, the ill will. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm more, I'm more intrigued by Will Smith's genie. You know, now I like that there's musical numbers in it. They're not supposed to be on there. There's got to be. Got to yeah. be musical numbers. But uh, and also, as yeah. Jasmine is my, uh, my, my favourite Disney princess, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with yeah. how she's been cast. Um, have you heard anyone uh, being displeased about how young Jafar is? Uh, only me, and only because right. that role was Oded Fares and Oded Fares alone. How dare anybody come along and snake that role of Jafar <laughs> away from a man Oded Fair? Come on, this was going to be his time, damn it. If Oded Fair was going to have any role, it was going to be Doctor Strange, and that was never going to happen <laughs> either. Um, the thing is, if you cast someone to be like an older mm. character, like, like Jafar's meant to be... There's, a, there's obviously a bit in Aladdin where Jafar wants to marry Jasmine. Yes. Jasmine is supposed to be a teenage girl. Yes. Yeah. So they had to de-age her so slightly for that, you think? Yeah, so I, I completely understand Jafar being like I have mid-30s. I have more than a few female friends who have a thing about Jafar. It's very strange. That's bizarre. Well, it's besides the point. Like, I mean, I mean, it's a great Halloween costume for me down the line as well. But you know, still, I mean, I think I could pull off Jafar. Yeah, might be the only time in history where I actually get good costume ideas out of the whole whole Arab thing. But uh, yeah, I think you'd make a better Sultan. 
think I think about it. Yeah. It's a, bleep you, buddy. It's bleep a, you. It's a hype thing. <laughs> what's, what, what's the one in Harold and Kumar when he says... He says F you when he it means something uh, flip oh, yeah. you or flip something you. like that yeah. because he won't say it. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, okay, so last review of the week. Last review of the week. Let's yeah, talk about uh, it. Ben is back. Ben is back. I can confirm after much speculation, Ben is back is a feature <laughs> film about a character named Ben mm. who returns. Yeah, I can, that's, I can, that's what I wanted. I can confirm yeah, that. that. Okay, so it is written and directed by Peter Hedges who's the father of the actor playing Ben, Lucas Hedges, Hmm. um, who, before you can say, damn you, Chalamet, is a uh, drug addict who turns up at his family's place on uh, Christmas Eve. Unexpectedly, he's been off in rehab. He shows up. His family seem to have their life relatively calm and suburban, Hmm. and he obviously represents an element that's decidedly against that grain. He returns, and he is told by his mother, you can stay for exactly one night. Um, You know, you have to adhere to a certain number of conditions, but his return brings with it elements both emotional and from external forces that, of course, very quickly upset the happy home, and this takes the mother and son on a journey of kind of reconnection as they react to events through the evening. We have a clip, and this is Julia Roberts laying out the terms. Okay. Here's the deal, and it is not negotiable. You get a day. Are you sure? So long as you pass the drug test I'm about to administer, stay clean while you're here, and that this time tomorrow you are back in sober living. Yeah, okay. Now, I'm not done. These are our terms. You do not leave my sight ever. You do not close the door to your room, where, by the way, I will be sleeping on the floor. And if you try to sneak off, if your bed so much as makes a squeak, I will be all over you. Because for the next 24 hours, you are mine, all mine. Got it? I got it. Good. JR on fine form there, as always. And no one has ever called her JR. Really? She's yeah. JR to me. I'm, I'm, I'm hereby dubbing her JR. But uh, although that's going to get confusing if we ever talk about who shot JR and yeah, whole thing. Okay, yeah. you know what? Bad idea. Scrap it. M- motion tabled. Anyway, so um, Julie Roberts on fine form as ever. Lucas Hedges has he ever been bad? I mean, really? I can jokingly, no. I can jokingly call this methadone by the sea all I like. <laughs> but you should have done. <laughs> I did yeah. on the social post. Um, but it's the thing is that the two of them do bring a gravitas to it. Uh, you've got Courtney B. Vance in there as well as Joe Roberts's uh, second husband, I would mm. add, add a guess. And uh, who's the actress I'm thinking of? I didn't here? know he was uh, with uh, Angela Bassett in real life. I did not know that. Yeah. Although I can absolutely see that as a power couple. Yeah, they were yeah. at the Oscars together, and it yeah. was it was excellent. That that's a pairing I absolutely see in a power couple. Yeah. Um, it's also got Catherine Newton uh, in there as uh, Ben's younger sister and Julie Roberts's other daughter, Who, other child. Ooh, what, from why do her, her name? Uh, first marriage. You know her from Blockers, in which she played uh, Leslie Mann's daughter. Oh, right, yeah. Or you'll know her from Supernatural, in which she played uh, Misha Collins' daughter. She's always someone's she's always daughter. daughter. <laughs> yeah, she's always insert name actor's daughter. That's how this works. Here she is, Julia Roberts' daughter, uh, and she puts in a really good turn as well um, in a character that the whole film is actually quite well, mm. uh, quite well structured as far as laying out character goes. Um, I liked it quite a bit. It's it's not a game changer. It's fairly boilerplate awards season stuff, and you do kind of feel like if. If Beautiful Boy hadn't existed, this may have gotten slightly more attention. But, I mean, beyond that, it is kind of what it is. It, it, it's a satisfying it enough 
kind of a three out of five kind of a drama with good performances, and it's at least 80% less nausea-inducing than uh, Beautiful Boy was. Because, you know, there's no scene in which he just opens a scrapbook and it's got his uh, his ramblings about how I am an addict. You know, things mm-hmm. like that, none of that. Um, which I didn't realise was quite as hilarious until Simran Hans pointed it out to me. She took real issue with it. There's literally his journal in which he documents, I am an addict, I have a problem, all this stuff. But, uh, yeah, but <laughs> again, that film only worked because of performances. This works as well as it does because of performance. Um, but I don't think it's going to set anyone's world alight, to be honest. No. No. I'll, I'll watch it if I want to, you know. I will give it, though, points for one thing. The way in which it handles addiction is mm. actually kind of refreshing. There is an offhand moment in a, in a mall food court, sort of a third of the way into the movie kind of thing. It's not really a big plot point or anything, but it's just it's a character moment in which, you know, Ben and Julie Roberts are just walking by doing some Christmas shopping. And his childhood doctor is in the food court, and he's now an old man with dementia. And she's left, Julie Roberts is left alone with him for a moment and basically tells him, my son had a snowboarding accident, you told us those pills were, you know, non-prescription, non-addiction, all this stuff. That's him there. Well done. Yeah, well done. Yeah. She has that Good moment. One. She has that moment. You know that moment that you'd, yeah. you'd probably dream of. And the stuff like that, the way it handles this opioid addiction is actually quite refreshing. It's not... It is done as, as he says, don't trust a liar. You know, everything they say is a lie, all this stuff. We, we just lie to get what we want. It does the boilerplate stuff, but it does put depth in the front end, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. It does give it some grounding. Gives you a, a sort of a real world. This can happen. This can happen to someone you know. This can happen to you. This, you know, this can spiral. This just spirals out of something innocuous. Kind of. I thought oh, that is an incredibly refreshing thing to actually see. I thought Beautiful Boy was going to do something like that. It didn't. And uh, here we are. Let the other one do it. No, but I mean, Beautiful <laughs> Boy had uh, Tim Sharma's beautiful hair. It did. It is, and so that is bad. that is beautiful hair. We should have just called it beautiful hair. We should have, yeah. I mean, you ever noticed that no matter how messed up he was, no matter how bad his shakes were, how much he was sweating, <laughs> the Chalamet... He's, he's still a dreamboat. Oh, that hair, man. He was still... He, he was he was a heroin-powered dreamboat is what he was. Yeah. So, alas... Uh, Do you know, you know in, my, in my maths book, what? I've just got loads of drawings of him, <laughs> and I've got... An abstract figure who in later years would turn out to be Timothy Chalamet. Yes, of That's course. That's clearly yeah. what it was. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've got, like, like love hearts with uh, Case <laughs> and then Timothy... <laughs> you, you saw Call Me By Your Name for the first time like, oh my god I've been seeing this man my whole life yeah. <laughs> fair enough as I say Benny's back not our film of the week though um, film of the week for me I personally Fisherman's Friends <laughs> that's the thing if you're going out for a good time at the cinema right you, you know take yeah. a date night you and Cass are going to the cinema you want something to see if you're going to have a good time based on something I recommend probably date yeah. night for me and Cass is watching the uh, new Partridge and, or, or maybe watching Celebrity Bake Off mm. um, one of us has been to Tesco and picked up like a cake I just like realised the floor in my logic though you and Cass would watch Prodigy and love it so because you all are twisted like me so yeah mm. but otherwise Fisherman's Friends <laughs> we will watch out when it's on Netflix so this will be my film of the week in like a year yeah this is on okay Netflix. we'll go with that then I yeah. say Prodigy because you can just have a great time to have bad ideas but <laughs> anyway so uh, um, what are we talking about next week so next week we are talking about us next week oh yes. yeah finally uh, we are talking about The White Crow next week uh, Ray Fiennes Ray Fiennes love of Nureyev Yuli the Carlos I, I, I feel sorry I feel like we didn't give yours and <laughs> I feel like we didn't give us 
uh, enough uh, like kind of grandeur there. New film by Jordan. Oh yes, cool. Yeah, we're just talking about us. Yeah, so we're going to talk about us. New Jordan Peele film. We're going to talk about uh, White Crow, the new Ray Fiennes movie because of his Nuriyev thing. Uh, <laughs> Yuli the Carl Costa story. We've got a trip to the moon. We've got Cradle of Champions. We've got Minding the Gap. Uh, we've got Sorry Angel, and we've got Nervous Translation. All to come next week. So we've got us next week. So we've got us next week. Cool. And, and a couple other ones next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a, a lot of them are very good films I've already forgotten. Yeah, yeah, but, but us is out next week. There's yeah. that too. So we've got all those to come and more next week off screen. In the meanwhile, this will be Caddy Stubblich from Movie Market. I've been Van Connor. I've been Case Allen. And we shall return. Just show me the way to get out of here, and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more movie news, reviews, and more, visit moviemarker.co.uk. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. So, what are your top ten uh, Pixar films? Oh. oh, this is podcast extras. Hi. Oh yeah, yeah. Hello. yeah. Hi, welcome. Hi. Yeah. <laughs> right, I need to pick. I'm gonna pick, I'm gonna pull up the list of Pixar movies. Right. Yeah. List of Pixar films. I don't want to miss any. I just want the list. Of I'll, I'll do the same. I'll do the same. Right. Okay. So I've, I've got it here, and uh, let's see. I mean, God, God, you got that fast. I literally just typed Pixar movies into Wikipedia. I've just typed in all the Pixar movies. Oh, well, okay. That's what I'm doing. Right. My, My favourite ever, I think, is actually probably Up. If I'm, if I'm honest, oh, I, I think Up is just a beautiful film. Uh, Wall-E, uh, all three Toy Stories, Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo. Uh, Inside Out, very big fan of Inside Out. How, how many is that? Let's see, I should have been counting. <laughs> I mean, there are only twenty. Within, there are only twenty yes. Pixar films. Okay, and you're not putting Ratatouille in that ten. I'm not putting Ratatouille in my top ten. Mm-hmm. I don't. I, I'm not a fan of Ratatouille. I mean, I enjoy it when I, when I watch it, but it's not a film that stays with me or anything. It's just kind of I kind of forget it. I mean, half the time I don't even remember that's Pat Oswalt. So he's not really a selling point for the film, though. Well, I know, but you'd think I'd remember it for that reason, wouldn't you? But, no. So, Monsters, Inc., Toy Story Trilogy, uh, Up, Wall-E, uh, what else we got here? We got uh, Inside Out, I'm a big fan of that. So that's seven, okay? I got right. seven. Yeah. I am typing this out because I'm, I'm a yuppie knob, basically. Yeah. Um, ooh, I quite liked Coco. I, Coco I like Coco, very... I don't know if I put it in the ten. I'd, I'd have, I'm going to do the same thing as you. And, oh, and The Incredibles. I like The Incredibles very much. Yeah, the first one. And uh, oof. that's nine. That's nine. And I'll be really honest. I'll put, put I'll put a Bug's Life in there before I put Ratatouille. So there <laughs> Fair enough. Are. So there you go. My, my ten favourite, in no particular order, are the Toy Story Trilogy, Monsters, Inc., Up, Wally, Inside Out, Coco, The Incredibles, and A Bug's Life. Right. Now. I think mine would be similar. Mm-hmm. I would swap out a bug's life for Ratatouille. Really? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Which is saying a lot because I I did love a bug's life quite a lot. Mm. I think maybe it was just maybe it was an age and sort of time in my life moment for Ratatouille because I think Ratatouille came out smack in the middle of me being at uni. So two thousand and seven. Two thousand seven. It was my second year of uni at that point. So I suppose I was sort of in movies. I was sort of into sort of the flow of movies as much yeah. at that point. I don't think. I mean, my favourite movie at that point. Of the moment in 2007, I think was probably uh, Shoot 'em Up, but uh, that still stands today. Doesn't it, it still stands today because yeah. Shoot 'em Up's an amazing movie. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> seriously, you've ever seen the amount of subtext and subtextual messages and things in, in Shoot 'em Up? Mm. Some of them are hilarious. Well, isn't uh, there some sequels like straight to DVD? No, no, Shoot 'em Up never got anything. Although, no, what am I thinking of? 
Ooh, SWAT? Mm, no. No? Hard Target. Smoking Aces. Smoking Aces I'm, did, yeah. That's what I'm thinking Speaking of. Speaking of uh, shit directed DVD sequels. Go on. I saw a trailer for one earlier, and I've got to see this. Okay. Backdraft 2. <laughs> <laughs> that does not exist. There is a trailer. Oh, there what? is a. Oh wait, wait. It gets, it gets better. Right, go on. Not only is there a trailer out there for the director DVD Backdraft Two, it actually co-stars Billy Baldwin and Donald Sutherland as the returning characters. And guess who the primary character is in this one? Kurt Russell's son, now an adult firefighter. You tell me, sir. This thing is only missing Ron Howard. That's all. It's that's all. It's not got going for it. But there is absolutely a draft too. I feel like I'm going to cry. <laughs> Jennifer Jason Lee's in it. Is she? Scott Glenn is in it. No way! In Backdraft 2, you're sure you're not looking at the cast list for the first one? Yeah, it is. Oh my god. Because <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was about to say, JT Walsh is in it, but I realised he's, he's been dead, dead man. for 21 years. Unless it's archival footage. Yeah, um, right, let's... Uh, what? Yeah, Batra. He's the director of uh, Apollo 18. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> so we can't get the director of Apollo 13, mm. but we'll get the director of Apollo 8. I just got uh, Cyril Inry in there from uh, the. Oh, what was the stand up comedy film we watched? Jellyfish, recently. And the teacher in Jellyfish. Um, I was say Grand Budapest Hotel. No. <laughs> Grand Budapest Hotel. The hotel, the old people. Oh, uh, you mean the best exotic marigold? <sighs> That's yeah. Who's who's in this one? Best exotic marigold? Did you say C- Celia Imry? Oh no, not Celia Imry. Cyril oh. Inry. Cyril Inry. <laughs> so, there was a man called Cyril Inry. Yeah, and a lady called Celia Imry. Yes. Sometimes I love this world. I know the world is great, isn't I it? I just I need them to meet. Sammy I need them and to Rami. meet. Sammy and Rami, man. Keith so, David and David Keith. Exactly. Have a bad damn Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Amazing. <laughs> oh. So, back, back draft two. Back draft two. Actually, is a thing. Hang on, I... Does it have a release date? I really want to know when it's coming I'm, out. I'm going to play the trailer down my mic. Please don't. I mean, I'll actually insert it, but... Uh... I hope you can find a way to move forward. Yeah. I investigate arson because I... I mean, really. Chief McCaffrey is he your uncle. <laughs> So Billy Baldwin oh. is now is now actually the chief. That's the that's yeah. What I just for. I just saw him. Yeah. yeah. And here's the weird thing. I mean, remember when Billy Baldwin was the young, sexier of the Baldwins? He was Liam Hemsworth. He was, wasn't he? Like you had Alec, who was the proper leading man. Yeah. You had you, Billy, who was the yeah the Chris. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was the Chris. And then you had Billy, who was you know being the the, the pretty one. You know, an already yeah. good looking. Then you had Stephen, who was the rough one. Yeah. And then you had Daniel, who was the one for the uncles. <laughs> one which one? Which one was the usual suspects? Was that Daniel? Or was that Stephen? That was Stephen. That was Stephen. Stephen was unusual. So suspect. what? What's like? What's Daniel's big thing? What's John Carpenter's vampires? Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That's pretty much it for Daniel Baldwin. I think he's been like a villain in Hawaii Five O since or something like that. Yeah. And uh, Billy Baldwin is currently uh, guest starring in a recurring role on MacGyver. Yes, so, he is. Yeah. yeah, he was in uh, Parenthood, the TV. He was series of Parenthood, <laughs> and Alec, of course, is uh, off being Alec, punching yeah. people over car, car parking spots. Yes, he is. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah they're, they're such an interesting. Uh, and Stephen's gone full they? Republican, hasn't he? Because he's yeah. like a far right. Yeah, he's job lost. Now. Well, why? Why the hell not? He's lost his daughter to <laughs> Justin Bieber. Go for it. 
Uh, oh, is, hang on. Is, is she the Baldwin? Is it Stephen's daughter? Stephen's daughter. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I've got Fled, like, sat on my watch list to watch with Stephen Baldwin and Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, I yeah. saw that. That was his. Why, that was his breakout that, vehicle. Why does that exist? Yeah, that's his. That was his breakout vehicle. If you remember, he had that. Billy had fair game, yeah. and Alec was doing. Uh, was that kind of around the time they did the getaway with Kim Basinger, and it had the really explicit sex? Yeah. Scenes. Yes. Um, nothing says Hollywood star power quite like I want to plow my wife on camera and I want you to watch and enjoy. Mm. But uh, if anything doesn't say Alec Baldwin, I don't know what does. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah so Bad Draft 2 that exists I think we should review that when it's out I, we 100% will I think we should should we just double bill it with the first one I think I'm great with like ideas for podcasts no absolute bloody follow through um, <laughs> it'd be a great like podcast idea to just do like straight to DVD ones that podcast probably does exist probably does direct to DVD sequels yeah I, yeah we should launch one that's literally that's, just direct to DVD sequels great, yeah. to established popcorn films established popcorn there's so many well there's so many SWAT firefights getting unlucky yeah yeah. Jarhead 4 or whatever. Oh, God. Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, yes. And my personal favourite, Cruel Intentions 2, Manchester Prep. Yeah. Um, yeah. Amer- starring Amy Adams. Starring Amy Adams, absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, American Psycho 2, starring M- M- Mila Kunis. Kunis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'm sure there's a Hackers 2 somewhere. I think. I think, I think there is. Yeah. I Oh, annoyingly, Lawnmower Man 2 doesn't count because that did get a theatrical in the UK. Um, uh, that was a shame. S. Well. Darko. Oh, S. Darko, absolutely, yep. Yeah. Butterfly Effects. Oh, which, that had, which that, one? That had, that had a few, didn't that it? Had, that, had th- that had two sequels. Yeah. You can do any species that's number three onwards. True, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I can tell you for a fact they get increasingly terrible. I watched the original species a couple of weeks ago. I did, I Podcast it was thing. on there, yeah, yeah. yeah. I forgot that uh, Alpha Molina was in there. Oh man, I just like that bit in that movie when uh, they walk into the train carriage and it's like a big cocoon and a dead body. Yes. And psychic boy Forrest Whitaker walks in and says, <laughs> Something bad happened in here. And you're like, Well, no shit, shit. Yeah. What are you, psychic? That's what I kept saying to Cassie. It's just like, he's not, he's just, he's just saying things that everyone can already see. Yeah, he's the world's worst fucking sidekick. Yeah. Psychic, not sidekick. He's also the world's worst sidekick yeah but uh, anyway um, so (laughs) before we start plowing through the film reviews uh, film news sorry uh, let's have a quick review real quickly then for uh, Benjamin which is a new uh, film written and directed by Simon Amstel Right, so, of uh, Nevermind Buscocks and uh, T4 fame. And T4 fame. Was he Pop World? He was, wasn't he? He was Pop World, he yeah. He was Pop World, and of course in recent years, uh, Friday Night Dinner, I think it is as well, isn't it? Drama series on BBC Three, I think. Went off for a few series. Was that was that called Friday Night Dinner as well? Friday Night Dinner. Well, Friday Night Dinner was... But oh, no, Friday Night Dinner, sorry, no, uh, Grandma's House. I'm Grandma's House. Grandma's yeah. House. Sorry, like Grandma's House, actually. Friday Night Dinner is... They're very similar, though, aren't they? The two shows. They, not not in tone, but like I guess. Oh, not in tone, but the concept is concept, exactly. The same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a Studio sixty thirty rock thing. That's what it is. Yeah. It's one of those where yeah. it's the same concept executed different with different tones. Friday Night Dinner is amazing. Right? Oh, Friday Night Dinner. That's that's Channel Four, isn't it? And Grandma's yeah. House is BBC. BBC yeah. Two. I think it so this is more in line with something like Grandma's House, but less outwardly funny. What this basically serves as is a sort of. You remember. In the heyday of Kevin Smith. Yes. In the heyday of Richard Linklater. 
in the heyday of... Miramax, when we were allowed to like Miramax films. Let's, yeah, when we were allowed to like Miramax When films. Dimension was a thing. Yeah. Do you remember how many of those films basically involved prolonged discussions in attic apartments, in loft apartments, and wandering around record stores with shaky cam? Yeah. You know, that's, I guess, yeah. that's this. That yeah. is absolutely this, starring Colin Morgan from Merlin as this really sort of, I would suppose, semi-autobiographical sort of persona crafted around uh, Simon Amstel as he basically just tries pursuing his latest relationship and does a lot of introspective whining about it. Um, here's a clip of him seeing his latest uh, would-be uh, would be partner. It's only now All the time it fades and how old is he, do we think? I don't think we should dwell on it. Okay. He's very good looking. Oh, God, he's ridiculous. He should never have left the flood. <laughs> this is it. Look, here it is again. The thin boy on stage. Yeah. You just like people who are well-lit and weak, don't you? So it's a very talky piece, as you can imagine. It's uh, Imagine from that clip, it's very much one of those... If I have a thought, I have to verbalise it, kind of thing. There's not mm. a lot taken on tone. And for how kind of introspective a character drama it wants to be, it, it, so much of it is told and not shown that it does come across as whiny. There's really no other way to say it. I couldn't connect with the material, personally. Is he uh, the director as well, did you say? so? Amstel has written and directed it. So mm. I think it's his feature debut. And there's, there are things in it I did like. Ellie Kendrick puts... It's nice to see Ellie Kendrick turn up in anything. Anna Chancellor, you know, gets a, gets a moment in there. Uh, Jessica Rain. I always like seeing Jessica Rain. Right, yeah. I'm a fan of Jessica Rain. Uh, Joel Fry, I thought, was quite quite charming in this as well. He's been in a lot lately. We were talking about yesterday, earlier. He's in the trailer for that. Yes, got, we were, yeah. Got a big fan base from Plebs, I think, which is a show I've never got on with. I, same. I watched one episode on someone's recommendation because it was on Netflix. Mm. I... Yeah, I just don't, don't know if it is Not for me. Not for me, yeah. Um, yeah. I heard that Seth Rogen was uh, doing a US remake. Yeah, which yeah. I, I think well, maybe I might get on with that more. Like, Seth Rogen's humour is Possibly. more in line yeah. with a lot of that. I, I like the, the idea for it. I like the premise. It's not so much the delivery, I guess. Can you remind me of Seth Rogen in a minute, please? I want to ask you about something Seth Rogen-y. Um, Seth Rogen in a minute. Okay. Um, but, yeah, for the most part, for me, I, I just thought... It's not... A spe- I can't say it's an especially reali- well-realised film, because... A lot of it does feel like it's been made out of necessity rather than creative choice. So, for instance, the shaky handheld element of it, a lot of the time feels like a lack of discipline rather than the creative decision to take it that way. That you've, for instance, shot it that way to capture the frame of mind. It doesn't feel like that at all. It it does just feel like, this is how movies used to get made, I'll just do that. And you do wind up with a lot of that uh, that New York loft apartment, where's my Lisa Loeb track, you know, kind of <laughs> phoned in, you know, sub-Miramax era drama. It is a throwback piece. Didn't grip me anywhere near as those old Miramax films actually do, even when I watch them right. back now. And I'll be really honest, the only part of it I tremendously enjoyed was when the entire screen room erupted into laughter for the second time this week, because Kermode showed up in the film as himself, reviewing a film within a film. And at that point, we all looked around and noticed he wasn't in the screening room because he hadn't come to this one, which hadn't twigged. And we just basically pissed ourselves laughing. But uh, <laughs> it was a good moment. It was a good moment. It was a surreal thing, you know, because like, yeah, we know the guy. Like, we all have, like, sort of, you know, estranged acquaintances or actors and things we see in films that 
you know, Stephen Merchant turns up to some screens occasionally, you know, and then you see him in a film and you're quite like, ah, Stephen <laughs> Merchant. Yeah, um, yeah one of those we, things. Who is it we saw? We saw uh, Al Murray once, didn't we? Yes, Al Murray comes to a lot of screenings. Yeah. He, covers, he used to cover for film, uh, the film programme. Yes, so, I remember. So, yeah. Yes, you met him, didn't we you? Were, we yeah. saw Blockers. It was saw... it was Isle of Dogs. Might be on the same day. Actually. I think it was the same day. Isle of Dogs yeah. and Blockers were the same. Because I was, yeah, I remember just being sat, sat in my chair and just being like, "That's a pub landlord over there." <laughs> yeah, that act. Did you notice how uh, less funny that act has become in a post-Brexit uh, yeah. world? Yeah, I think I think he he's aware. He's of that. aware of that. I think yeah. so. Yeah. But, and do you know what though? I mean, did you speak to him that day? As well? I did. Yeah, did. he's a damn nice guy, isn't he? Really nice. Yeah, I'd like really, really briefly. Like we were both getting a coffee at the same time. Mm. He's nothing like nothing at all like that character. Yeah, it's it's kind of like when you see <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen in an interview, you think, wow, you're actually really smart. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> you are way smarter than I would have assumed Ali G would be, but yeah, you know, <laughs> one of those things. Uh, so Benjamin, I can't wholeheartedly recommend it. To be honest, I wish I could. I no. like Simon. So Hustle. Benjamin is not back. Benjamin is not back. No, I just realised that we did Benjamin before Benjamin is back. That's a shame. Yeah, we should have Benjamin when Ben is back. So some interesting Marvel news I want to talk about. Not really strictly film related either. You know the Disney Plus service. Oh yeah, I think I know what this is. We get an yeah. animated series based on the What If canon of Marvel comics. That's awesome. Which is interesting. I don't know how you do yeah. it as a as a, a you know a, a visual a presentation yeah. outside. So this, unless this, you're familiar this, with this is things like What If uh, mm. Doctor Strange was a vegetarian. Um, just, it does. Yeah. Just, yeah. What What if Spider Man was in the X Men or stuff like that? That yeah. In fact, that is exactly how it started. That that there used to be those kind of broad concepts. Nowadays, in sort of the twenty first century, the way that they've positioned it in recent years, and I think for a lot of like children, for instance, would know it more from the modern incarnation of it, which is every time they do a big event in mm. the comics universe. At some point within the six months that follow, they'll release a comic book basically explaining what would have happened if it had gone the other way. So when Civil War happened, for instance, it's what would happen if Cap won Civil War? Right. Uh, what would happen if the heroes lost World War Hulk? What would happen? You know, things like that. Yeah. And they, they tend to position it that way. And that's mm-hmm. going to be an animated series. My only question, like I say, with that is, how do you, unless you're doing the broad earlier idea, mm. how do you do that as a series now? Because you'd have to know what Civil War is, for instance. To Good do point, an episode, yeah. well, if Cat wants to a war, and, I guess based yeah. it just on the on the films in the MCU now. So yeah, I mean, is, yeah. is that is, what? Is that what if Whiplash was? Was a good. What if Iron Man Two was a good film? <laughs> we have that. What if I stayed awake watching Thor: The Dark World? Yeah. What if yeah. Avengers: Age of Ultron didn't suck? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. You know that. What, yeah. What if What if Joss Whedon cared a bit more than <laughs> the second film? Or... What if Joss Whedon cared it more? Then it's just a shot of Joss Whedon picking a Best Picture award. Yeah. You know. Yeah. For having produced the Godfather Two of superhero movies. But uh, yeah, th- there is that. Um, that's the Disney Plus service, and well, I'm intrigued to see what's uh, what's going to happen with that. Disney and Fox, then. We're talking about that. There is yeah, a date. You, you told me that's happening next week, apparently. They've set a date. The day before my birthday. I know. So wow. two minutes past midnight on the 20th of March is the is the set time estimated close of the deal which of Marvel's Crazy. acquisition of 21st Century Fox. Wow. What a day and age to live in, huh? What time to be alive. I know. Uh, so, um, apparently, the Invisible Man. The, yeah. The, the Lee Winnell one. Yes, we've nearly found an Invisible Man. Yes. Which is, which is hard, because you can't see it. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is apparently circling two actors for its uh, lead character, for its title character. And those actors are? Those actors are Army Hammer and Alexander Skarsgård. I would prefer uh, Alexander Skarsgård. Well, if you're Kelly Needham, you're happy either way. 
So, right, yeah. Does she like them? She, she, she loves both those men, I believe. Cool. Yeah. But uh, And, of course, we all know that they're not the main character. They're the title character, but they ain't the main character. The main character is going to be played by Elizabeth Moss, of course. Right. Who is uh, going to be... I think he's going to serve in sort of a, a Hollow Man-like capacity in that way that Elizabeth Shue... It was kind of like the main... It was like the, the narrative thrust point of... Yeah. I guess, like, Man. Hollow Man is more of a just supporting... Director DVD sequel list, Hollow Man. Oh, of course, yeah. Of course, yeah. Seriously, this is an idea. Do you know who the, the, yeah. the Hollow Man was in the sequel as well? Who? It was Peter Fash and Ellie. No from way. From Twilight. Not The Fash. The Fash, man. <laughs> it was The Fash. I uh, can't hardly wait. Yes. Yeah. The Fash, star of the Twilight Saga and ex-husband of Jenny Garth. Him. Which is especially weird because he starred in Fastlane with Tiffany Thiessen who co-starred with her in Beverly Hills 90210 and Kevin Bacon exists. But anyway. If only you could harness like this power into harnish. like... Harnish. <laughs> harnish. This power into sounding more like Sean Connery. If only you could harness it into like, I don't know, developing a cure for cancer. If only. It'd be great, wouldn't it? Having, using your knowledge for that. Kevin yeah. Spacey takes you to Julia Davis who takes you to <laughs> yeah. Kiefer Sutherland which is the cure for cancer. There we are. No man, Kevin Spacey takes you to jail. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, let's see what else we got. So uh, we talked about Alan Tudyk, didn't we, being, being Iago? We, we mentioned did, yeah. that. Uh, the Dark Knight's returning to cinemas is something that's uh, something that's hit the news this week. The trilogy is apparently going to be coming back um, as part of the 80th, 80th birthday celebration of Batman. Cool. So, yeah. All right, yeah. That's fair. I mean... I'll probably just stay home and watch Blu-ray with it. Specialised 70mm IMAX print for all three. Which is, I will admit, faintly intriguing. Yeah, it would look look pretty pretty sweet, actually. Yeah, it would look pretty badass. I'd be in for that. But uh, let's let's see who else is on here. Um, Apparently, uh, we're getting another one of those Christmas Prince movies from Netflix. It's going to be called Christmas Baby. I know it. Have you seen these because Cassie's watched them? Is that what it is? I saw the first one because Cassie wanted to watch it. I saw Mm. the second one. Because I quite enjoyed it. <laughs> Got to add in the heart, don't I? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but also your your wife does love a good rom com bit of crap. No, she loves a good Christmas film. Oh, oh, is it is it Christmas? No, she loves a bad Christmas film. Oh, okay. She then. loves any Christmas so Christmas film. film bit of crap. Yeah. Oh, okay. Then. <laughs> Meanwhile, um, Reese Darby's back for Jumanji three. Really that's amazing. Name. Nigel Billingsley, I believe his name. Awesome. Nigel Billingsley's awesome. the name. That's, that's great. Yeah, they've started to uh, shoot it now, haven't they? They have, because the first photos are out as well. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. They've started can. shooting uh, the Hitman's wife's bodyguard. Yeah, and Morgan Freeman's joined it as well, because you yeah. were surprised they allowed him in film still. Yeah, because uh, there was some dodgy stuff going there on. There was some dodgy stuff, but... Uh, eh, I don't know. I figured they just think Morgan Freeman's harmless enough. Mm. But uh, although you know, as we've proven this last week, who, what people do is proportional to exactly how awesome you think they are. I call it the Michael Jackson spectrum. <laughs> yeah, because you know that's news, isn't it? Now? That's in news. Yeah. From the book in 1993, <laughs> it's news again. <laughs> it is. It is a question of hang on, who didn't think? Okay, never mind. I think no. I, I just think people. People obviously love the 90s. Mm. Nostalgia is a massive thing, especially nostalgia for the nineties. Like, what last year we had a Power Rangers film, and a couple of years ago, Beauty and the Beast film again. Yeah. This year we're getting an Aladdin film, we're getting a Lion King film. It's true. We Chucky's just love back everything. again. Chucky's back again. We just love everything about the bloody nineties. We do. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just, just. To, I mean, to be fair, I mean, you've known me for many years. I was a nineties whore before it was cool. Yeah, that was, it was mostly during, during the nineties. Yeah, mostly yeah. laziness on my part. If I'm, yeah. if I'm gonna lie, if I'm not gonna lie, but uh, look at you wearing the 
You're wearing a bloody New York uh, Yankees cap. You're basically fed-dust. <laughs> it just needs Thank to be you. red. Although it's only... When I take the uh, jacket off, I'd like to flip it back. Anyway, yeah. uh, so... Um, Here's the thing that I, I found uh, very strange this week. Joel Edgerton has apparently been approached to star as Kano in the film adaptation of Mortal Kombat. I, I didn't realise that that was still going to happen. Yeah, that's apparently a thing. Now, not only is it happening, remember it was going to have James Wan involved at one point. Yeah. Like, James Wan was going to be the ace in the whole card they were going to play. He then dropped out. So this is a live-action feature film reboot. It's now going to be directed by the Australian filmmaker Simon McQuoid. What's he done? I don't know, but I mean, based on his his name, which is the most Australian name ever, <laughs> I'm going to suppose he might have been. I don't know. Directed a Foster's advert. Yeah, Foster's advert and a Baz Luhrmann movie cinematography gig. I don't know. Yeah, it was an AD on Australia. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um, Greg Russo's penning it as well. This is his first Ooh. film as a writer. No relation. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, this is his first film as a writer. But yeah, Kano, John either Russo of us or Rennie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but. Uh, this is the thing. It's it's a non-character. He's like, was he a cybernetically enhanced yeah. warrior? But there's not really a character there. So, in one sense, I suppose kind of perfect for Joel Edgerton. But uh, you leave Joel Edgerton alone. <laughs> he was the bad guy in Great Gatsby. I guess. He was in yeah. no, Great he's, Gatsby. He's good. He's good in some stuff. What, what, what was I like? About I like Joel Edgerton. I just forget he was in loving. Um, no, he, he's good in some. I found him more memorable in The Gift. Than anything else, literally. Ever. And he made that. I liked that. A and lot. he made that. Yeah, that's the most memorable he's good ever been. Yeah, no, he's, he's really good. Warrior. Again, I remember Tom, Tom Hardy. Hardy. I don't remember he was even in that. It, it, look, he's I have this spot. the lead in that. I would say I just have this cloud in my head where Joel Edgerton lives, and <laughs> yeah, Animal Kingdom. You ever seen that thing, that Doctor Who thing? When uh, whenever someone looks at the TARDIS, it's sort of they can't actually see it. You have that with Joel Edgerton. You, they have to want to see it. I have that with Joel Edgerton. I have the perception filter effect with Joel Edgerton. What do you see instead? I, I mostly just see this sort of homunculus of like Jai Courtney and <laughs> oh, and don't Sam you, Worthington, don't you, don't you dare lump all in. the forgettable Australian actors that have appeared over the last few years, and yeah, and then at least every you just like swap them out for Hugh Jackman. <laughs> no, I mean. He's the home bargains version of Hugh Jackman. Let's be honest. Mm. No, no, it's all like, no. He's the range version of Hugh Jackman. That's but, not bad. So it's not bad. But it's not good either. I've, I've bought some photo frames from the range. <laughs> we all. I bet there's a cushion I've got downstairs from the range. So Idris Elba is dead shot now. We know that in uh, Suicide Squad 2. The Suicide Squad. The, yeah. Right, okay. Oh, yeah. That's what we could talk about. Cool. Um, I'm making it sound like we've got nothing to talk about. Ooh, we've got There's so much to talk yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, go, go. This week's been naff for news. Come on. It has a bit, has a bit. Um, yeah, they've, they've said, like, who, uh, yeah, some of the characters are going to be in The Suicide Squad. And they sound weird. Oh, and they I'm, do I'm, sound I'm weird, don't they? Yeah, polka dot man. <laughs> the rat catcher. Rat catcher. King Shark. Oh, I can't wait to see King Shark in film. James Gunn yes. is doing King Shark. That's I'm amazing. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Gunn's doing King Shark. You got my money, man. Uh, Peacekeeper, is it? I think something like that. It's like, like that, an ironic name, isn't it? Yeah, that's the one that uh, Batista's probably going to end up playing. Oh, clearly, yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm good with it. I'll bring it on. You bring me a James Gunn Suicide Squad, you got my money, that's fine. Yeah. Um, apparently the... Um, the the uh, run they're actually adapting for this film, like tonal, tonally and like content wise, the idea they're going for is rather than like the current one, which used the New Fifty Two era of DC Comics to base its characters on, they're going back to the eighties run. 
All right. So they are going back to Deadshot being a childless elite marksman with a death wish. Idris right. Elba. I mean, yeah. In. Solid. In. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, you got me. The de facto leader of the squad. Um, Harley Quinn is not going to be in this one. Is she not? Oh, no, no, I, no, she's not expected to return. I don't think she is. Now. But she is being... Um, uh, Margot Robbie is being Harley Quinn in her own thing. Oh, her own thing, yeah. yeah. Um, in the meanwhile, he's, this is fresh off the press. This is brand new. Warner Brothers have signed up Juan Cole Serra for a remake of a classic Michael Caine movie. That's also a classic. That did get remade, but it's also a classic Stallone movie. Oh, uh, get caught. Nah, I see it's a trick question. It's Escape to Victory. <laughs> the bloody football film. Yeah. Who's going to play Pele? <laughs> <laughs> but that is true, though, because Michael Caine played starting yeah. Get Carter and then Stallone remade it with Mickey Rourke, and it was so terrible. weird. Um, yeah. See, it's the Nazi oh prison camp story, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, let's see. They have a draft from 2017, apparently, by uh, Anthony Timbakis and Gavin O'Connor. So, oh. hmm. Who made Warrior Who made with Warrior? Joel Edgerton? It's all coming up case, isn't it? <laughs> right, let's see. Uh, apparently, Fantastic Four failing. That's why we never got a Gambit movie with uh, Channing Tatum. Yeah, that's what Rupert Wyatt has said. Rupert Wyatt has got that. Mm. That film coming out. What's it called? Captive States. Captive State, yes. With Although. Johnny Be Good Man. If we're really being technical about it, I would argue that having a director drop out might have caused it to stall. Just, just a thought. Well, no, having four directors to drop out. Yeah, yeah, having yeah. multiple directors drop out one at a time. Yeah, I can absolutely see that why, being the reason. Why doesn't why doesn't Channing Tatum just direct it himself? It's an interesting question, actually. Yeah, yeah. you'd think like he's he's so passionate about it. He clearly really wants to do it, doesn't he? But I think yeah. when it's, now that it's going to be an MCU property, I, I don't think he's going to get that chance somehow. I would do it. Uh, get Louis Leterrier back. Come on. Get Louis Leterrier back and give me Ocean's, El- Ocean's Eleven with superheroes. I mean, arguably we kind of already yeah. had that with Ant-Man, but give me that. I'll yeah, take that. I don't know, like, yeah. I'll take the Cajun Ocean's Eleven. The Cajun Ocean's Eleven. Well, there hasn't really been a Marvel film doing New Orleans yet, has there? No. Like, of, no. The, of the locations they've done. So I can imagine no. that would be a good incentive for them with Gambit. That'd be good. I, I like that about the MCU films, just seeing different locations. Like, we got mm. we got LA for the first time. Yeah, I mean, I would argue it didn't come off brilliant, though, I mean, in terms of its bright colourfulness, but... Uh, or like no, there's, there's a bit in it where they seem to be going, not into the Deep South, but in the South. Mm. At one point, where they go to... I've forgotten her name. Mon- Monica. Is it Monica? Yeah, they go to... Is it Tennessee? Or? Yeah. We'd been to Tennessee before in, in Iron Man, but, like, in snow. So, oh yes, we didn't yeah. really. Yeah. Um, so speaking of Marvel people, um, Tom Holland is going to uh, star in a film for Anthony and Joe Russo. Yes. Yes, it's going to be called Cherry. Cool. What's it about? It is based on a novel by. Yeah, it's based on a novel by Nico Walker, and it is about a former Iraq War Army medic who became a bank robber. Cool. Yeah, and he All did right. that as a way to cope with his PTSD. So this sounds like a hell of a story. I'm intrigued to see what happens yeah. there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it was a fictional spin on the guy himself. I mean, he, right. the, the writer himself had been convicted for yeah. a bank robbery. I think he had been a medic. So it's uh, it's sort of semi-autobiographical, but heavily fictionalised, I believe. So, I you know, see. see what comes of that. I, I'm intrigued. The concept's interesting. Seth Rogen, <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you. Yeah, uh, you asked me to remind you, so, uh, hey, Van, Seth Rogen. Okay, so Seth yeah. Rogen's like big, big on the TV producing kind of sphere at the minute, isn't he? Yeah. Um, two of his shows I'm watching at the moment. Uh, one is Black Monday with Don Cheadle. 
Oh, I didn't realize he was a producer on it. He's a producer on that. He and uh, Evan Goldberg are uh, a producer on that. Yeah, I, it, I will start watching it. it it's very... It's unique. Right. I, I like good. it. It's House yeah. of Lies with a countdown clock and Wolf of Wall Street kind of facelift. But... Uh, also, I don't um, understand what that sentence is. Okay, well, it'll make sense to you in time. I'll watch it and I'll be like... Uh, I, I, I get Wolf of Wall Street. Countdown clock, not so much. Oh, okay. There's a, there's a countdown clock in the series. You'll see when you... Literally every episode is count... The title of the episode counts down to Black Monday. Oh. That's the oh, okay. concept of the series. Oh, right. It's counting down to the worst day in stock market history. Yeah. And every episode is a number, and that's the number of days remaining. That's that's a good idea. Yeah, so I don't, I don't know how if, if they'd consider doing a series two or anything like that because I think that opportunity might be taken away from them. But uh, yeah, I guess they'll even do like the aftermath. Yeah, it's interesting. Paul Shear is very good in it. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah, he talks about it quite a lot. Uh, also, the other one is Future Man. Yeah, with yeah. Oh, what's his name Josh Hutchison, Peter. Yes, Peter from... Uh, Peter? Yes, from... Uh, Peter, from, where have you gone? You have disguised yourself as a rock. From the Hungry Contest, yes. The Hungry Contest. Yes. <laughs> from the starving yes. challenge. Yes, Peter, mm. who takes four hours to paint himself lovingly like foliage. Because that's how you win the Hunger Games. Ridiculous. What's, what's, your, what's your power? Uh, Makeup. But Future Man is like a comedic spin on The Last Starfighter. Mm. He's a stoner energy drink nerd who like completes a game on his Xbox like 360, yeah. and then finds out that it's like Last Starfighter. It's a recruitment program for a, the rebellion in the future. Right. We're led yeah, by yeah. Eliza Donovan and some other dude, and they come back in time and they go on a series of time traveling adventures to save the future. Keith David is in it, I believe. Not David Keith. Not David Keith. Keith David. Mm. Uh, but the second series of that has just started, and it is interesting <laughs> to say the least. But uh, oh, good. anyway, um, other than Taika Waititi directing the pilot for an a- Apple series, yeah. Apple TV adaptation, Time Bandits, uh, I'm all out for this week. To be honest, so am I. This week has let me down. Just it's been a quiet news, week, but I think the week before was pretty big. good. So um, swings around about. So we'll see what happens next week. <laughs> Some someone big might die. <laughs> you want to queue it up in the meanwhile? Uh, yes, here it is, your moment of uh, Nicolas Cage. Breakfast formation! I want to see some real cavemen action out there! We do this fast, we do this loud, we do this as a family!